Um, it's welcome to our, our very first event for, for the Missions Conference 2014, and uh, we're looking forward to a blessed time together. We have with us uh, Brian and Patty Albrecht there with uh, Global Outreach, uh, all the way from Buffalo. They have left over 100 inches of snow already. Um, so they'll tell us all about, about shoveling, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but they're, they're glad to be here, I'm sure. Um, we're also going to be going to have, um, Richard and, and Andrea with us, I believe, that that's, that's what the schedule shows. So if they come in, then we're gonna, we'll fit them into the program as well. But I'll, I'll kind of give you a cue on that. Okay. Let's have a word of prayer as we begin. Thank you, Father that we can share the gospel. And you have told us to, to be the light of the world and, uh, and to be salt and to go out and, and to share the message of, of Christ uh, that, that all might come to know the Savior. And so we thank you for, for missions. Thank you that there are those who commit themselves to go to the fields, various countries around the world, taking Christ with them. And uh, we thank you for that. Thank you for the missionaries in, in the very hard countries uh, where, where they do suffer persecution uh, because they bear the name of Jesus. And uh, Lord, we pray that you'd sustain them and encourage them in their work of ministry. So I pray that you would be speaking to our hearts this morning as, as we uh, focus on, on missions, on spreading the gospel. Um, we commit our time to you now and look forward to what you have to say to us through your servant. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brian, I'll ask you to come now. You can share with us as you wish. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, you're talking about snow. We have lived in uh, Buffalo, New York. I became the uh, president of Global Outreach Mission in uh, 2003. So we moved from um, New Jersey, where I had a pastor to 13 years, and um, uh, we've had very mild weather in Buffalo, snow-wise. But this year, the Lord has favored us with over 100 inches of snow, and that was the middle of February, and it's still coming down. And we've never had this cold weather. Uh, we're in the minus, um, and with the wind chill, heavily minus. One day we got down to minus 20, which is just terribly cold. And um, I, there was a joke going around our office. We were saying, we're so thankful for global warming, because without global warming, it would have been minus 50 or 70 degrees. <laughs> um, I don't believe in that stuff, but um, anyway, it's a good joke. But anyway, we're, we're glad to be down here. Um, we've uh, really appreciate Yuna. She was there. She picked us up. She took care, such good care of us. And uh, thank you for allowing us to, uh, to be here and to minister among you. It's a real privilege. I just found out this morning that Dr. Um, Lee uh, uh, re uh, you know, re retired. And I, I was looking forward to seeing him. So that uh, was sort of a surprise. I didn't know uh, you were without a pastor. So... But praise the Lord, uh, Patty and I have um, looked forward to this, and uh, we were here three, eight, three years ago, I think, maybe four, and um, we got to know some of the folks here and uh, had enjoyed our time down here. And I'm so thankful for you because you uh, support so many of our missionaries, and basically you actually reach a good portion of the world through just the people you support through our ministry. 
uh, plus all the other missionaries that you have. And um, God has blessed this church, I believe, because of your mission emphasis and the way that you see the fields that are white unto harvest, to pray ye the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. I believe if you go to scriptures, I think it's very clear that, that God has a great desire to see the world come to Christ. I believe that Jesus um, himself in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, where he said, um, you know, I see, he came, he, his mission was to come seek to save that which is lost. He came to seek and to save, seek and to save, to seek them out, seek them out. You have to seek out the lost. They need to hear the gospel. Without the gospel, they can't be saved. And of course, over in Romans chapter 10, it talks about, you know, you have to hear the word before you can receive the word of God. And um, so I think missions is really uh, on the forefront of uh, God's heart. And I believe he wants the whole world to come to Christ. In fact, if you look at Matthew chapter 24, down to verse 14, it says the gospel will go out to the whole world and then the end will come. So we're actually encouraging the end to come for Jesus to come back, which I'm waiting for. <laughs> and I went with all my heart for Jesus to come back. We can actually help uh, do the work that God wants us to do. Even in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, the whole world, not just North America, not just South America, not just uh, the Bahamas, but he loves the whole world and he wants them all to come to Christ. And so I think it's just a great, um, I think the word of God is very clear that way. Now, I was assigned by your teacher. He, he thought it would be a good idea for me to, um, to talk about some of our missionaries. Um, when I first heard about the this, this Sunday school class, which I think was probably two or three days before I came down here, um, I thought about maybe telling you how I got into ministry because I think, it's, I think it's sort of interesting to see how God works in people's lives. And I think if I tell you that, you'll be able to relate to myself and to my wife um, a little better. I grew up in a town in Pennsylvania that does not exist anymore. <laughs> it was called Hungerford, and now it's Shrewsbury. And um, uh, so I came from, from a family. Um, uh, my dad was a mechanic, and uh, my mom was a nurse. And uh, we grew up, and um, I, we came in a Lutheran family. But the problem was we only went to church like twice a year at the most. We went at Christmas and Easter um, on good years. And um, um, I didn't hear the gospel. But the w one thing that happened when my mom went back to work after my brother was born, uh, my grandmother was going to take care of us. And um, my mom and dad figured it would be better for me to go to vacation Bible school at a little Baptist church than to have poor grandma have to take care of us <laughs> all, all day because we were a handful, you know, we were, I was a pretty wild kid. And uh, so we went to Bible school, and um, interesting thing, one day a little gal who was about uh, 17, 16 or 17 years old uh, was leading the class that day, and she was just teaching one verse, um, Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be, you will be saved. And uh, I was 12 years old, and at some point, the Lord really spoke to my heart, and I received Jesus Christ, my Savior. Now, it's a Baptist church, and they wanted you to go front, and I didn't go front. But that day, when I went home from vacation Bible school, I went to our weeping willow tree in the backyard, which was like a big tent because the limbs just fly down. I went in there, and it just became like a church or like a sanctuary. And I sensed God's presence, and I knew I was saved. But I didn't have a, a witness, a testimony for all those years. 
and um, later on, when I hit my 20s, I met some lady, her name was Patty, who turned out to be a really godly girl, and really different from the other people that I knew, and um, I'll probably let her tell the story, but my side is at this, uh, we have a difference of opinion on certain, certain things there, but um, actually, I met her on a, a double blind date. And she was with my best friend, and I was with her best friend. And when um, my best friend went back to the Army, I asked her out. He wasn't too happy about that, but I did. And then eventually, she saw the light. (laughs) And when she saw the light, things turned around. But the thing that really, really caught my eye about her was the fact that she was a godly girl and she came from a godly family, and uh, they loved the Lord. And it's amazing, when um, I went in the service, my best friend became a Mormon. And so that we started doing Bible studies with the Mormons, and uh, you go out, in the, out under the trees, and uh, the first time they're talking about the Bible, you know, James about getting wisdom and those kinds of things. The second is Joseph Smith this and Joseph Smith that. And the only thing the Lutheran Church ever did for me was they had, they, through going to church and through catechism in the Lutheran church, I realized that this was the Word of God. And so I became confused because I was listening to uh, my wife-to-be, this girl I wanted to marry, and it's by faith you're saved through grace. It's not of yourselves. It's a, wor- it's a work of God, not a work of yourself. And then you hear the Mormons, it's all works. And I got confused. So what did I do? I started reading the book. And uh, when I was reading the book, I saw that you're, you're saved by grace. And it's not yourselves. There's nothing you can do. God's the one who saves. God's the one who meets needs. God's the one that, that brings it to himself. And so I, um, I renewed my commitment that I made years ago. And then we were married, and eventually I went to Okinawa. We're actually running the Vietnam War from there. And I was in computers, and I had top-secret crypto clearance, and um, I felt like I needed, I'd read the Bible, I felt like I needed to be baptized. So I got baptized in the biggest baptistry in the world. It's called the Pacific Ocean. And I had this, um, this little um, um, chaplain. He was a colonel, a full colonel, but he was only about this high. And um, he wanted to baptize me. I wanted one of the missionaries to baptize me, but he wanted to baptize me, so I... You know, I didn't care who baptized me as long as I baptized. So we went on the Pacific Ocean. There was an undertow. So he put me down, and I headed out to sea. She, he grabbed me around the legs, and he started to try to pull me in under the world. And I thought I was really being buried with Christ. It was like, <laughs> he pulled me back, and I got up, and I was, praise the Lord. Here we are. And from that point on, uh, we was work. So we started our marriage basically in Okinawa with missionaries. And um, we had a real burden for missionaries from there on. And then I came back out of service and got my bachelor's degree in business management. I went with Global Outreach um, back in the 70s. I was the international controller, and then I went to Dallas Seminary. And the Lord has just guided and directed us all these, these years. And, uh, and so that's a brief history of my life. I was a pastor for 13 and a half years in New Jersey. I was on the board of Global Outreach then. They put me back on the board. And uh, when Dr. Blackwood, which I think a lot of you remember Dr. Jim Blackwood, when he started having medical problems, um, 
we had a five-year search committee and we couldn't find anybody to, to replace him because he was such a capable man, such a, a great Christian man. And uh, one board meeting, uh, I went and I looked at the agenda, it looked like a regular board meeting, but there was this little, little uh, uh, item at the bottom of the board meeting that said other business. And Dr. Blackwood got up and he said, I believe it's God's will for Brian Albrecht to be the next president of Global Outreach Mission. And uh, I was really uh, taken aback because I had a really good ministry going down in New Jersey. Our church was growing and God was blessing. And so I asked, I said, well, I, you know, I'm not sure if that's God's will for me or not. Um, so I asked the board for two things. One, I said I needed a unanimous vote by the board, and that included the two guys that weren't at the meeting. And I said I need a month to pray about it. And... Um, so when we started praying about it, and the first two weeks we weren't going to do it because we liked our church, church liked us, things were growing, we were reaching a community, we were, had a missions program. Um, we had 25% of our budget towards missions, and then we would send teams out, and that was an addition. There were some years we spent, we, over half our budget went to missions. I personally led uh, probably uh, 13 uh, trips overseas with our people. We had won a lot of Christ. Our church was really revved up for missions and those kinds of things. And so we had a good ministry, but the last two weeks, um, I, we kept reading the scripture, and then the idea through the mission, I could reach the whole world. And one of my themes of my life is, is to share Christ with the whole world. And right now, we're in 54 countries around the world, and God is blessing us. I've personally led people to the Lord in every continent except South America. I've traveled to, uh, I think it's 42 countries now. And uh, the Lord's given us all kinds of opportunities. There's 300 churches in Indonesia. And some of those churches have 25 churches they've planted up into Laos and uh, Vietnam and uh, China and, and uh, Myanmar. And they, they want to partner with us. And we have another group that, that does oral oral oddity, which means oral trans, uh, transmission. Do you know there's over 7 billion people in the world? And 5 billion of them actually learn by oral communication, not by reading, not by studying. They learn it by listening, even PhDs. And uh, there's 2,000 groups that are part of this. And this man is um, trying to join our mission. And the Lord's opening all these things up. And the thing is... <laughs> It's not me doing it. It's all him. <laughs> and that's what I love about being in the Lord's work. It's not that I do anything. I don't. <laughs> but I do pray. I do trust the Lord. And he brings these opportunities to us. And it's just amazing because when you see God doing it, you know it's his work and you know it's his will. And you know this is something that he wants us to do. So God has really, really blessed us in a mighty way. Blessed me personally. I can't imagine a little boy growing up in Hungerford, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Not even on the map. The thing is, if God can do that in my life, He can do that in any life. He can do it in your life. It's just a matter of following and being faithful and trusting Him. And those are the things that are really important in life. Well, I'd like to get down a list here of some of the missionaries you support to give you an update on them. Uh, the first was um, Dezuzu, who's over in Ghana. He really came to us through uh, Youth for Christ, and so he's evangelist. He's, he's won all kinds of people, Lord. 
And now he's into uh, church planning and training of, um, of people in Guyana, training the church in Guyana. And um, God continues to bless him. And then we have um, the Bansides who are in India. And it's interesting, we just had a, uh, a retreat, a conference for our Indian missionaries because we have a lot of people in India. And the uh, Bansides were there. The wonderful thing about the Bansides is not only have they had a long ministry over 30 years, and they have a thing called Leeds um, that they put together because they really are trying to reach uh, youth. And every year, they, they lead thousands of youth to the Lord. In the summer, they have this great conference where they have hundreds and hundreds of these young people coming, and they share Christ with them. And uh, the wonderful thing is we have uh, mom and dad bandside, but the, now their, their son and his wife Hazel, Sonny and Hazel bandside, have just joined the mission, and they're going to carry on that ministry. And you know, in my mind, this is really a success. If you have a, a ministry that's been established over all these years, and you've supported these people over all these years, and now their children are coming on, their own children, missionary kids, coming on to, to take that ministry uh, further into the future. That's a real blessing. In their area, they just reach out to all sorts of provinces, and, and God has really, really used them in a mighty way. And, and when they get up and speak, you can feel the, the passion they have for souls and the passion they have for young people, because they believe if they can reach the young people in India, um, there's a chance that the country can, can come back from from where it is now. I don't know if you know much about the politics in India right now, but it looks like the next government, and that government's going to be elected in the next couple months, is going to be these radical Hindus. And radical Hindus kill Christians. And um, the statistics are the last year was the um, greatest year for martyrs of Christians uh, for years and years. In fact, twice as many People were martyred in 2013 than in 2012 for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when people in these countries stand up and have such a large footprint like the Bansides and others that we have over there, they're really putting their, their life on the line and you need to really pray for them and bless them. And then we have the Gekwads who are in Colorado and um, that's a long story. I have a video that I'm probably going to show on them, and you can actually see them uh, talking about their ministry. And then we have Billy Kim, who's been an evangelist for years and years and years, won thousands of people to the Lord, and um, he continues with his ministry. Uh, he's a Korean, but he gets invitations all over the world. He speaks a lot in North America and um, preaches the gospel of Christ. And then we have David and Catherine Cole. Does anybody know them? <laughs> and David, just just a wonderful man of God. I just love it. Uh, I love to go to England and be in their home. And Catherine is quite a cook. You don't lose any weight in her home. And, of course, you know, last year he had some um, physical problems, but he's bouncing back. He has to have a little slower, um, a little slower itinerary. He's trying to just do weekends instead of... I mean, when you look at a schedule... I mean, it's outrageous. In fact, I probably have a copy of it here somewhere. Uh, just the schedule he has in the future, and, and this is a pared-down schedule because he's trying to cut back. Um, uh, I have it right here. Here it is. You can just see it. This is, this is the schedule for this year. <laughs> so, And this is scaled back. 
this isn't what he used to do. So the Lord's really blessing him, and, um, and what, a, what a great guy. What a great, great man of God. And then we have Lydia Avedavian, who uh, ministered for years and years in France, and um, um, she was with um, uh, uh, Gaffner um, for years and years, and she uh, has evangelism, works with women. Um, she spends half the year in France ministering there, and then half the, the uh, year back in um, um, Michigan uh, with her folks. And uh, she does the same thing there, and the church is there. And then we have Grace and Gerhard Meyer in Germany. And uh, so you have France and Germany, Europe, and uh, there's a great camp there. I was there probably uh, three years ago, and uh, I, you know the story of that, I think. It, that that um, The place where they have the camp used to be a Luftwaffe air base during World War II, and then when the Americans um, captured it, uh, they had it as an American air base, and then when they pulled out, uh, they sold the uh, the main barracks ba- uh, buildings to us, and we've rehabilitated them, and now they're into a like a conference center there. We have a church there, and Gerhard and Grace oversee that. Uh, Gerhard, Gerhard uh, has planted four churches, and um, the the Gerhard is the church planter, and then Grace, she's the one who runs the uh, camp, and they have people coming. It's it's a camp um, in the winter when you have all these people uh, uh, skiing and those kinds of things coming through. They minister to those. And then the summer, they have all kinds of youth camps. And one of the biggest hits in August, they have a, uh, a uh, an English camp. And they have a lot of the German kids coming to that camp to learn English. And of course, at the same time, they're hearing the gospel of Christ. And, uh, and so Gerhard and Grace are doing a, a tremendous ministry over there. And then we have Emmanuel Sopralis, who, um, who was in Greece, uh, I visited him years ago over there in, in Athens and was able to go and see the, the Acropolis and uh, see those wonderful uh, buildings over there and also got up to, um, to see where the Bible lands are. I got to see Philippi and Corinth and uh, Thessalonica and those kinds of things. It was sort of a wonderful trip. And um, he's, he's basically retired now in Maine and... Um, um, he's writing books now, and he, he was, because he was in Greece and knows the Greek language so well, he writes a lot of books on uh, different subjects. Um, one of the ones he did recently was on uh, grace, and he's done some on holiness and other things, and so he's got a writing ministry now. And then we have the Gaddises over in Jordan, and I think you also uh, support Hagob and um, yeah, you do. Hagab and um, Reem Shakarian. And um, both of these ministries are in Amman. Um, the Gaddises have a big camp, and they're trying to reach Muslim young people, and that's um, south of Amman. And Hagab, we, we don't use his name very much because there's a price on his head. I met him, and actually he joined our mission because of Liberty University. Jerry Falwell gave him a full boat um, for his master's degree and also his Ph.D. down at Liberty. He didn't pay a thing because he saw the um, potential that Hogob has. And Reem is just now finishing a Ph.D. down at Liberty in counseling. He has had the privilege of planting churches in eight or nine Muslim countries. He's planted churches in Syria, Iraq, Iran. You ever hear those countries? Libya, Sudan, Lebanon, of course, Jordan, Egypt, and um, Oman, and there's one other 
that I uh, can't remember. But the, he is just a, a go-getter. Because he lives in Amman, Jordan, and the Jordanian passport allows you to travel anywhere in the Arab world without getting visas, he's able to go to these countries and he's able to lead people to Christ. And uh, God has really blessed him. And God is really using him. He's just been able to, to raise funds to put up a large camp um, down the south part of Jordan, which is away from the capital, <laughs> and out in the boondocks, so that he can start training uh, Christian workers and pastors down there out of the bright lights of where the uh, Muslims have their power structures. And God is really blessing his ministry. He's just a great God. He has a real burden for souls. He, he tries to reach not only countries and plant churches, but he also tries to do different groups. He has a ministry to gypsies, and gypsies are all over the place. He's got uh, to Bedouins. He's got a ministry to the Druze. And um, he's got uh, tremendous things. I probably use this illustration in, in the main service sometime because it's, uh, it's one that I personally experienced. I was over visiting with him, and um, he wanted to show us some of the ministry he has. So he told us, well, why don't we go out because we're white, you know, you have to be careful where you go because people see you and, you know, the Arab, <laughs> you know when you're the Arab, white people among a bunch of Arabs, you sort of stick out. And um, just like in Chinese, I love to go to China because the Chinese come up to hear on me, and I'm, I feel like, you know, like, like Goliath, you know, look over the whole crowd. But anyway, um, so he decided we better go out and look at the, uh, the nomads, the Bedouins. And of course, those are the people like in Bible time where they, they get their tents and they travel from place to place. And uh, so he follows them, he tracks them when they go. So we went out and... Um, he was telling me a story. He said the fact is that these guys are, are Muslims and they're hard um, because the, the Jordanian government and the people in town hate those guys, hate the Muslims, hate the Bedouins, and um, no one really cares for them. He was out there trying to minister to them. He could get there and sit and talk about Jesus, and they, they would say something like this, well, we're Mohammedans, but who's Mohammed? Who's Jesus? You know, nobody cares about us. You know, we don't want to. But he did notice that the, the Muslim men, and they have three or four wives, most of them, uh, thought more of their animals than they did their wives and their kids. And when you go in these compounds, you'll see three or four wives, and you'll see something like 30 to 40 kids running around. And uh, they're all his, um, they're all his, um, his, um, his children. And so we, were, we went to this one place, and uh, you never go into a compound over there because if you do, uh, you could get shot. So you stopped before, and, and um, the man came out, and uh, he invited us into the place of hospitality. place of hospitality is always the first wife. She's the one that has the largest tent, and she's the one that has the hospitality area. So you go in there, and you, you sit on the sand on a little mat, a little goat hair mat, and you have hospitality, and there's a big fire going and a big pot. The coffee pot's about this big. And um, one of the things that um, he does, he has to give hospitality. So they have these little cups in a soup bowl, and the water's brown. So he takes the cup and washes out in that brown water, and then he pours the, the, uh, the molasses that's coming out of the big pot because it's sitting there for like 24 hours. And he hands it to me, because I'm the president. 
And um, one of the things is I drink coffee, but I'd rather have tea, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and I don't like strong coffee. And so I said, Lord, you know, this is going to be really hard for me because this is going to be really, 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 really strong. So I asked the Lord to help me. So I, I chugged it all down one because I knew if I, I tried to sip it, I would never get it down. So I chugged it down and I handed it back to him. He pours another cup and he hands it right back to me. <laughs> so I said, Lord, can you do it again? And I chugged it down, and then the missionary told me, he said, if you shake your hand like this, it, it lets the guy know that you've had enough, and he can go on to the next person. Man, when I handed that back, I didn't, want to, I didn't want him to miss that signal. So that was just one of them. But he had all these kids out there, and one of the ways that we're actually meeting them is because we got a Christian vet, and we go out and we start helping their animals. And when we help save their animals, about the same time all this was happening, there was a disease among the sheep, and they were dying like flies. They actually would pal them up and then throw sand over them. Um, our, our vet would go out there and um, save their sheep, and then they, now they're open to the gospel, to hear the gospel of Christ. So he's a great missionary. And I see we, we have um, our friend here who's come, so i got to sort of... Uh, um, the, the, I was told to give a, a, an update on all the missionaries that we have, so I'm almost more than halfway through. I'll just do it quickly. Um, the Stams are, are people that have a unique ministry. He was a truck driver, and he had a burden for truck drivers. So he has a, a van, he and his wife Nina, go all over Europe to truck stops. And they have, they have tracks for like 60 nations. And they can talk to a truck driver in his own nation. They give him a track, and that's been a very successful ministry. Only he could pull that off to put up with that kind of a ministry. And he goes into uh, Czechoslovakia, he goes down to Italy, he goes over to Greece, he, <laughs> he goes up to the, um, Finland and those places. And then we have the Zagaras down in um, Peru, and um, he, he has large meetings down there. Um, and also he, he's planted several churches down there in Peru and has done a great, great, great job. We have the Tegarajas who are in India, who over the years have had a... Uh, a great ministry. Their son now, um, Naveen, has taken over that ministry. And he's planted several churches and has a great burden for youth and has um, a school, a Bible school that he started. And he's quite a musician, uh, so he's able to attract crowds. And uh, uh, he teaches uh, some of the uh, Bible school students how to do music, and they have bands, and they go out and try to share the gospel. I already told you about them. The Mundales and the Bengali radio broadcast, that, that broadcast has been going on for 37 years now. That broadcast is, we have a studio in Calcutta where it emanates. Uh, the Mundales uh, oversee that ministry. It goes into West Bengal and India and all over Bangladesh. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people have come to Christ because of that. That, that broadcast comes on 15... It's a 15-minute broadcast, five days a week, comes on exactly right after the international news. So they turned into the international news. And there's not that many stations over there, you know. <laughs> it turns into international news, and then our broadcast comes on. It's evangelistic. There's actually been some churches planted. There's a church that's, I understand, that has 2,000 people in it. I've never been there personally, but and they said most of those people have been saved through this broadcast, so that's a great thing. And then the Relevics are, um, are in Serbia, and it's really amazing he just, I just got a note before I came down here. He's starting a seminary to uh, train pastors. So those are the people that you, you support. And you can see they're, uh, you know, they're in South America, they're in Asia, they're in Africa, they're in Europe. 
and uh, so you're sort of reaching the world through Global Outreach Missionaries. And we want to thank you so much for your faithfulness. You've been a very faithful church. And uh, we just praise the Lord for you. We're so thankful for all the things that you do for us. And may the Lord bless you in a mighty way. Well, you have to forgive me. I'm a victim of uh, two things. I think I'm getting the flu. And I didn't set my clock last night. So that's my bad. But anyway... um, as you can hear, my voice is not what it should be. Um, you all know me. You know me for many years. I grew up in the church. And um, I would just like to you maybe open it up to anyone that has questions first as to where we are in the ministry now, and then maybe I could tell about what we're going to be doing in the future. Um, so I know, uh, hey, Steve. Anybody have any questions, specific questions about what we're doing now? If so, I could clear those up and then we'll move forward. I see a hand. We're Nathan. All right. Well, um, let me just give you a quick overview because it's been uh, a whirlwind since uh, 1997 when uh, God called me to come back home to start Camp Bahamas. We came back home in 99. There was obviously nothing there. We had a, a borrowed Nissan Sunny uh, wagon, and that's what we used for ministry for the first two or three years. We borrowed a truck every now and then. We just started doing vacation Bible school in the communities, working with widows, fixing their homes and shut-ins and that kind of thing. Then we started doing day camps a couple years into that because that's what God called us to do is to camp Bahamas. So doing day camps, we'd bring the kids in for the day, have a ball with them, they'd go back home. We did that for a summer. The next summer, we transitioned into overnight camping. And this is when the ministry started to actually birth itself into what we have now. That first summer, we had, I think, um, 28 campers. And uh, back then, I thought that was, I thought it was huge. You know, I was so excited. We had 28 campers, and um, one of the campers that year was Colton Lewis, our adopted son from the Ranfley home, who is now the youth pastor at Global Village Methodist Church down the road. So he was 11 years old when he came to camp, and, you know, I didn't know what would happen. We didn't think God was going to bring us a son through that ministry. So we started um, doing camping. And God just started growing the ministry. The next year we had you know, 40 or 50 campers. We thought, that's crazy, that's huge, that's awesome. The next year we had you know, 70, 75 campers. We're like, oh, wow, this is great. So we moved to Tarpon Bay and uh, took over a hotel there. And uh, fast forward seven years later, last year was our, uh, I think our 11th summer. We had over 400 campers come. So God is, is perpetuating the discipleship model through the ministries. Last year, if we had 50 staff members, 47 of them were Bahamian. And all these came through camp through when they were 11, 12 years old, grew up in camp, and had the desire to come back and work to disciple Bahamian youth. And so that was the first time that we actually had that opportunity to, um, not that we don't love having Americans out, but the ministry has to be about discipling Bahamian youth. And so last year, for the first time, we actually saw the Bahamian youth rise up to the challenge and fill in the slots to disciple Bahamian youth. Um, that's incredible, because last year was the first time also that we had camp on our own property. And uh, those of you that know and have seen the, the progress and the struggle, uh, we had property given to us about eight years ago. It was just a piece of raw land, nothing on it. So we just started with scratch. You know, we had teams come out that work on it. 
Captain Bruce had a couple teams come out, I think, and did some work on the property. Uh, Steven cut his foot, got burned, um, burnt somebody else. Uh, he did a lot of things to the property. <laughs> he did. He caught a guy on fire. Um, <laughs> almost burnt the property down once or twice. But besides that, you know, the stories are just on and on and on what God has done. And to see God take it from a strip of property to now having six single cabins which can sleep 72 people, two double cabins, one's being used for a dining hall right now as we're trying to finish the dining hall. Um, that'll sleep another 30 campers. And then the other double cabin sleeps our staff, which will also sleep another 30 campers. So when the kitchen dining hall is completed, which is our goal for you know this year, which you'll see the video tonight if you come back out, and you should. So you'll see the, the video. You'll see where we are in that process. But we get that done. That takes us to a whole new level of ministry because now the, the facility is a functioning full-service facility. And that's basically the last piece of the puzzle to make it, uh, you know, longevity for us. Um, the last couple of years, we've had a lot of groups start coming out for retreats. Um, Calvary's been there several times, the men. Uh-huh. Um, we've had uh, Grace Community come out for a retreat. We've had Spanish Wells Gospel Travel come out for retreats. So it's becoming known as a place that, A, is a high standard for a retreat center because we want to be the best for our Bahamian youth, but also for people to come to minister. And it's also becoming a place that people come and rest. And um, we had the opportunity to, uh, with, with Pastor Lyle Bethel, after the referendum last year, he needed a place to just detox and unwind after all the, the stuff he went through. So him and his family came there and stayed for a week and just did nothing but unwind and re- reconnect. And so I see the potential for this ministry to do so much in this country for pastors, for youth pastors, for Bahamian youth. And the, the thing we're more excited about than anything is the opportunity to start um, discipling Bahamian youth on campus. And uh, we're actually starting that process this year. We're having a couple of Bahamian youth come live on campus, and we're going to start discipling them and taking them through a certain curriculum that when they're done with that, if they go to college, they have their foundational you know, beliefs down, they know what they believe, why they believe it, they can defend their faith, and go to the States or wherever they go to college and not get shredded to pieces and fall back from their faith because some secular professor had a witty you know, thing they couldn't answer. And so, you know, it's important for me that we not just be a camping ministry, but we be a discipleship ministry. Because we're not discipling our youth, we're, we're falling down on the job. And uh, these are our future. The kids that come in are our future. And they're going to be the ones going out to do global missions in the future, you know, to be supported and everything. And we have a few of our campers now that, um, uh, three of them are on the Logos um, uh, ship, I think with Randy. Is Randy Ruby still part of that? They're on the Logos ship. We have several of them in Bible College, Word of Life, Liberty, Taylor, you know, uh, trying to further their Christian education. So God is doing the ministry. He's, he's growing the ministry, and we're just excited about where he's taking it. And uh, so you all have been a part of that from, from day one when we started. And uh, so you all have seen the ministry grow. It's like watching a child grow. You know, now it's, you know, 15 years in the making, and, you know, they're ready to go to college soon. So um, pray for us as we continue to move forward because... Um, there's still a lot to do. Um, now we have the only gymnasium on Eleuthera, so we're actually starting to minister to the high schools to bring their basketball teams to the court because they all want to play indoors. So they come there and they play, practice indoors. We play with them. Uh, we have opportunity to have devotion with them and pray with them and get to meet them. Then we go to the schools, and they know us, so it gives us the in in the schools as well. So it's a really cool things are happening right now in the ministry. Um, the staff that are with me right now, we have uh, four staff, and you'll see in the video tonight who they are. Um, so again, you need to come out and see that. Um, but that's basically where we are. God has just really been uh, gracious to us 
And um, I think we've been faithful with what he's given us. And, um, you know, the ministry is just uh, has the opportunity to change our country because uh, pretty soon we'll be doing over a thousand campers a summer. That's coming soon. And uh, when you're doing those kind of numbers, you're impacting that many youth that are going back to their schools and are now becoming infectious for a good cause. You know, it changes the landscape of their school. We had one boy, he's 15 years old. I call him a man in a boy's body. Spiritually, he's a giant for 15 years old. He went back to a school and he started Bible studies. He got his teachers praying in class. He got all these things going on. And um, you know, he's only 15 years old. But he got excited about his faith at Camp Bahamas. And uh, that's when the light bulb went off for him. And he's just unstoppable right now. And so we're excited. He's going to be coming out this summer as well to be there for the summer for us to disciple him before he gets ready to go to the next step. Uh, but these are the stories that make us do what we do. Um, it's not easy. I've been at the crossroads many times where I said, Lord, you know, I think I'm done. You know, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And uh, God says, oh, no. You know, smack me around a little bit and keep going. And uh, I joke with people saying, if I'm, I'm not like Moses. I don't want to be the guy that, you know, builds it and then never gets to see it in, in, in action. I want to be Joshua who's actually there and doing it, you know. And so, uh, you know, as we do this, God's been really good. And uh, I still have a lot of life left in me and I have a lot of, you know, uh, excitement. So we're excited about doing this. And uh, our family is growing up doing the ministry, so they're excited about camp as well. And as you know, the girls in Rocco, you know, they think they run the, run the show in the summer. And, um, you know, so just pray for us as we are faithful with the next step. Because we want to be faithful to what God gives us, and we want to use it to, for His glory, and also make an impact for His kingdom. And um, I was telling someone the other day that our goal for this ministry now is to get Bahamians, whether it be churches, businesses, or individuals, to support the ministry of camp. Not necessarily myself or Andrea, because we are supported missionaries, but the ministry itself needs to have benefactors that are pouring into the ministry. Um, no ministry itself can function on its own without benefactors. Word of Life would not be where it is today unless they had benefactors who are growing that ministry along the way. And uh, we're at the point right now where we have a full-service facility, and we need now people to step up and that believe in what we're doing to support the ministry as we reach Bahamian youth. And because um, it's about our kids and our future, there should be like no problem doing that. And so that's our push right now is to start getting people on board, getting churches on board to invest in the future of our country. Because uh, you know what's going on now with all this stuff they're talking about. And, you know, it's just not good. And uh, if our youth don't get a grip of what they believe, why they believe it, and could stand up in the face of that, they're just going to fall down and become, you know, another statistic. And... Um, we had one of our campers get killed last summer in October. I mean, in October. Um, he got stabbed um, over something stupid, you know, something meaningless. So his life is forever gone now. And um, I trust he made a profession of faith that was genuine. Um, but his lifestyle may not have been that. And so you see these stories come through your doors and it breaks your heart because it's just about the choices that they make in the environment they're in. And if they don't have that hope of Jesus Christ in their life, they make a wrong choice and it costs them dearly. And um, so that's where we are. Uh, we're excited about this summer. Uh, we'll be unveiling the theme here in a couple weeks, and uh, we promote the weeks of camp. And our goal is to start, for the first time ever this year, a uh, junior camp for 8-, 9-, and 10-year-olds. Um, because we just feel if we get them while they're young, we started at 11 before, but we want to start a week just for 8, 9, and 10, that they start get that ball rolling now, so that as they grow up, they're growing up with us 10 years before they go to school. And then we have that influence in life for a full 10 years. And so um, we're excited about that. I'm not a, um, you'd think I'd be a good kid person, but, you know, 
uh, more of a teenage person, and so I have to have people around me that could relate better to kids and um, the young kids. And so uh, that's our next step. So that's where we are. And any questions, you know, I can open up to you guys, and we'll go from there. The dining hall. The dining hall is a two-story building. The bottom level will have the camp store. It'll have the laundry room facility, it's uh, linen storage. It'll have um, camp offices and an apartment for some staff. And the top deck will be all kitchen dining hall, which overlooks uh, the water. It's got a 15-foot, we'll have a 15-foot deck around it. And um, the foundation's done, the walls are up, the belt course is poured. Uh, the next step is the web joists, which are about $16,000 to fabricate those. And then you have to put those in and pour the slab, which probably be like another twenty, twenty-five thousand. So you're looking at another forty thousand for the next step to get that building going. It's a big building. Um, it's not going to be cheap. And um, you know, the next day after that, we put the walls up and get in the kitchen equipment that we need um, to service the amount of teenagers we have. Uh, just having a couple, of, you know, ovens doesn't cut anymore. You need some industrial equipment, and uh, so that's the next step for us. But you'll see if you come tonight, you'll see the additions that we did on the property last year. And I think you'll be thoroughly, you know, amazed what God did, the amount of things we were able to add to camp. And um, so I encourage you to please come out and just watch the video, and you'll see all the things God did and what we have on plan for this year as well. And I am pouring in sweat. Anybody else? I did such a good job, you have no questions. All right. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Um, I hope I feel better by tonight, so we'll see. Anyway, thank you guys.